Wow, I need to take a <laughs> take a breath after all that. I, I was doing really good with my voice, and then in the first service, and then this service, just it wasn't the preaching; it's the singing. It's the rejoicing in song. It's like, belt it out. This, listen, I was part of a state championship my junior year in high school on the football team. My senior year, I was also in choir. We won a state championship. Both had pep rallies, okay? Now, the choir pep rally was a lot different than the football pep rally. Trust me, okay? We, had a, we played in Indianapolis, and the caravan back from Indianapolis to Mishawaka, Indiana... The cars were three miles in length that followed our school bus back after our football game. After our state championship in, in uh, choir, we got back and there's two parents standing outside of the poster board said, welcome home. I mean, there's an obvious difference. I get it, okay? So those of you in choir, those of you in sports, I've lived both sides. I get it, okay? But here's the thing. We got those pep rallies. The gym was full. People were excited because we just won a state championship, right? Church, we won. We won, okay? And you're like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Okay. Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen. He is risen. I gave you your shot. You blew it. Okay. We'll try it. He is risen. He is risen yes. Shout it like a champion. It's okay. Yeah. I know. Some of you are afraid we're going to get all Pentecostal and whatever. I get you. Don't worry. We won't go that far. But, you know, it's okay to get excited. It's okay to rejoice. It's okay to, to celebrate what God has done and is still doing. And that's what we're going to learn today. Listen, I, I remember when I was a child what Easter is all about. And, okay, so, yeah, I was one of those kids with my brothers that colored eggs, right? And we dipped it in multiple colors. And, you know, girls, you'd like one color pink and one color purple. And we're like pink, purple, blue, green. Ooh, it's brown. Awesome. Okay? <laughs> That's what we did, right? That's what boys do. And then, you know, you write, you get the little crayon. Some of you might remember this. You'd write on the crayon. And then when you dipped it in, it came out. Then you saw what magically appeared after you dipped it. And you're like, what? Yeah, we were cool back then, okay? So we would make frowny faces or goofy things, right? But then we would take those eggs, put them in the fridge. And a couple of days later, Sunday morning, mom pulled those eggs out, put them in our basket with a bunch of candy. We didn't have toys or stuff, just candy and eggs, okay? And then she hid them somewhere in the house. And we had no clue where. So the hunt was on, and we would look for those eggs. It, one, I remember one year, Mom hid one of our baskets that wasn't mine, it was my brother's, in the oven, right? Who looks in the oven for an Easter basket, right? I'm just glad we didn't have, uh, like, an egg casserole that day. It would have been melted chocolate all over the place, right? But it was, it was fun, right? But isn't that what Easter is all about, right? No, no. Maybe it's the clothes that we wear, the Easter clothes. Again, growing up, Suit and tie. The men wore suits and ties. The ladies wore their dresses. Um, and maybe a, an Easter bonnet. We called them hats. I don't know. Easter bonnets. Is that what they are? Easter bonnets? Something like bonnets? I don't know. I don't know. Um, we just had to wear the tie. And they were usually a clip-on for us younger kids, right? But is that what it's about? Nope. Then it must be. It's all about going to church, right? Because I remember every Easter, we'd get to church and we're like, wow. Oh, I haven't seen you since Christmas. Cool. You know? So it was sort of like, that's the way it rolled. And we get it. I understand. Okay? But it's beyond all that. Easter is a special day. It's a special day. I read a story about a grandfather who wanted to know how much his granddaughter knew about Easter. So her name is Julie, and Julie's four years old. And she went out in the backyard to go play with her friends. And the grandfather thought about it. He goes, I'm going to go ask her 
and her friends what they know about Easter. So she went out, he went outside and sat down. And he goes, hey, what do, you, what do you kids know about Easter? Why is Easter so special? What is it? And one little kid said, well, it's that day we go to the mall and we, we sit on that big Easter bunny and we tell them what we want. And then another one of the kids chimed in and said, no, it's, we, we have a, a tree and we, we hang eggs all over the tree and then in the morning we wake up and there's stuff underneath it. And the grandfather was a little disappointed in what he was hearing. He goes, those are good guesses, but not quite right. So he looked at little Julie and said, Julie, do you know what Easter is about? And um, she said, yeah, it's when Jesus was crucified and he died and they put him in a tomb and they rolled a stone in front of it. And then his disciples, after they did all that, they left. And then uh, the guards, they fell asleep. And then on the third day, there was this big earthquake and a stone rolled away. And hearing all that, the grandfather couldn't have been more proud of his little granddaughter, Julie. And his big smile comes on his face. And then she goes, and then when the earthquake happened, the entire town came out to see. And if Jesus came out of his tomb, there'd be winter for six more weeks. <laughs> not, not quite, Julie. <laughs> Close, but not quite, right? So there's a lot of confusion about what is Easter. Is it a mixed-up story? Is it the decorations? Is it candy? Is it clothing? Is it going to church? So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to sort of fill you in, and a lot of you are like, I've heard it. Awesome. You're going to hear it again, the story of what we base our Easter story on, and then what does that mean and what are we going to do with it? And we'll celebrate that. So let's, let's rewind here. Let's go back. Uh, last week, you remember Palm Sunday, um, when we talk about what is Easter. Let's go back to when Jesus first came right into Jerusalem on a donkey. Okay? It all sort of began there that holy week. It was a few days later that Jesus, after doing some teaching, then went into the upper room with his disciples, where we call having the Last Supper. And it was that time he washed his disciples' feet and he broke bread with them, and, and um, they, they celebrated that Last Supper. But it was soon after that, they went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And Jesus prayed so hard in the garden that he sweat. It was like drops of blood that came out of him. And meanwhile, his disciples are sleeping. Except one who had gone off to betray him and brought people back to arrest Jesus there in the garden. And they led him off, and then they had a multiple uh, set of trials that took place. All of them coming up with false accusations to put Jesus on trial. And uh, soon after that, we know about Peter, one of his disciples, denied Jesus three times. He's broken, right? Just crushed. Meanwhile, Jesus is beaten. He is whipped. He is made fun of. He is, has a crown of thorns that they made shoved onto his skull that punctures his head. They are given him a robe and they mock him. And then they crucify him. They put him on the cross between two thieves. And from the cross, we hear the final words of Jesus when he says, it is finished. And after those final words, all of earth against darkness just comes over upon the earth as Jesus dies. But the story doesn't end there, does it? From that we know three days later, the morning of glory, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the most incredible 
week of history for us as Christians. Not fake news, it's real. Not made up, it's true. There's so much here that we learn. And, and as you know, we've been going through the book of John and studying it. And you're like, so are we going to get to that in John? We will. It'll be a while. But when we get there, we'll go into more detail about a lot of these things. Okay. But we know this. Besides Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books in the New Testament, they're called the Gospels. If you want to learn more about this, you can actually go into the Old Testament and learn about the crucifixion and about the prophets who foretold that Jesus would rise from the dead. Jesus even told his own disciples, hey, I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be turned in by the religious leaders. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise again in three days. Remember that last week we talked about that. So the prophecies, the history, the gospels, Jesus himself tells all about the Easter story, how this all climaxes to one big point of our Christian faith. And when it's all said and done, what's the conclusion to the story? What really matters? What's, what's the result? Let me sum it up in, in three simple words. He is alive. He is alive. And those three simple words sum up everything we need to know about Easter. Oh, there's so much there to study and learn, right? But it's really simple. Our God lives. He defeated death. He is the champion. He reigns over Satan, over sin, over death. He came to rescue us. He came to save us. He came not only to save us, but to enter into our life today. He is alive. And he's alive in us. I know sometimes that's hard for some people to believe. Because some people don't believe in God. So how can this all happen? I don't even believe in God, right? But the evidence is real. Matter of fact, people who call themselves atheists, we don't believe in God, have tried to prove this all wrong. Sometime listen to the testimony of Josh McDowell. A young man who did not believe in God. He was beaten. He was sexually abused from age 10 up. Parents are alcoholics. He didn't want anything to do with God. He tried to prove Christianity wrong. He wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And trying to prove it all wrong, guess what? He gave his life to Jesus Christ because he couldn't prove it wrong. It was all true. Check out his testimony sometime. Right now, turn to the book of Luke with you. Would you please grab your Bibles, open up to the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament. Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, we'll start in verse 1 and read through verse 12. Let's read. But very early on Sunday morning, now think about this. Some of you woke up this morning because you came to the later service. I don't know what time you all woke up, but we have an earlier service. And I'm usually up super early on Sunday mornings. So when I looked up, it was still a little dark. But actually, when it got light, it was foggy out. And I was like, wow, was it like this? And then about an hour or two later, after I came up from the basement, I looked outside and it was like, it was like this. I'm like, wow, was it like this? Now we have no idea what the weather was like that morning, but we know what happened that morning. Look at verse one. Very early Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices they'd prepared. They found that the stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went in, but they couldn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They're puzzled trying to think what could have happened to it. 
Suddenly two men appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. Verse 5, the women were terrified and they bowed low before them. Then the men asked, why are you looking in a tomb for someone who is alive? That's a good question. Why are you looking for somebody who's alive? This is a place of death, right? I love it. He goes on to say in verse 6, he isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Don't you remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that this would happen. Verse 9. So they rushed back to tell his 11 disciples, everyone else, what had happened. The women who went to the tomb were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several others. They told the apostles what happened. But the story sounded like nonsense. So they didn't believe it. However, Peter ran to the tomb to look. And stooping, he peered in and he saw the empty linen wrappings. And he went home again and he wondered what happened. The story of the resurrection of Jesus is found in every book of the, every, the, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, each one adding a little bit more to the account because they're different witnesses. But they all collaborate together and they all work together as you read through it and as you go through the truth. Here's what we know when you read all these Gospels together about this whole account is this. First of all, the followers of Jesus, they went to the tomb on that third day and they found the stone rolled away. And they discovered an empty tomb. And the angel reminds them, he's not here, he is risen. Do you remember what Jesus told you? And then Jesus appears to Mary. Then she goes and tells the disciples who doubted. And eventually, Peter and John run to the tomb to discover the truth. And he is risen, just as he said. Those are the cold, hard facts, as we would say, right? But what does that mean to you and I? It's not a fairy tale, as I said. It's not fake news. It is real. It's history and recording. All this happened, just as it said. And here's the thing. As a Christian, as one who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ, here's why it matters. Because it changes how I live from today forward. I saw a cartoon, a comic, and I, and I had to put this, uh, I had to grab it. It was so funny to look at this. But understand this, all other religious leaders are still where? In the ground. Jesus is the only one who is alive. Now that might sound like very, I don't know, arrogant about us as Christians. Like, hey, my God's alive. He is alive. That is true. The evidence is there. He is alive. And by the way, all the other religious leaders that people follow, they're all dead. If you want to follow a dead person, you go for it. I choose to follow he who is alive. And I hope you do too. And the resurrection wasn't written like, you know, we can't have a sad ending. Oh, so sad. He died and buried. Hey, let's make it a happy ending. Let's make it he comes back from the dead. Yeah, let's all work together and put our writings together. Oh, wait, we're going to have to go back. What did all the prophets? No. They didn't have to collaborate. You know why? Because it happened. He rose from the dead. It's not about a happy ending, church. It's about a new beginning in Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, part of it says this. For he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Think darkness, think death, think tomb, think sin. Jesus has rescued us from that. It says, and transferred us into his kingdom his, of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Jesus Christ, 
The one who was hailed and applauded. Yes, Jesus. Hosanna. Save us. Throw our palms down. Throw our robes down. The same Jesus who was then betrayed and arrested. Who was then accused and beaten and then crucified and buried. Yeah, that Jesus took all of our pain, all of our sin, took it to the cross, took the beating, took the humiliation, and he rescues us from the darkness. He came here on a rescue mission to save us from a tomb, from death, from sin, and he he transforms us out of that darkness into light. He paid the price. He purchased our freedom, as the scriptures say. Here's the thing, church. Once, once, we were separated from God. We were living in darkness. Really messed up lives, right? But now, but now we are saved. We're restored in a relationship between us and God. And we have this incredible transforming power that wants to work through us. Colossians chapter 1 Starting in verse 27, it says this. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Look at it. It's underlined there for you. Christ lives in you. Isn't that crazy? This risen Savior, Jesus Christ, that we worship, scriptures tell us that Christ lives in us. His Holy Spirit lives in us. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. Look, it says verse 28. So we will tell others about Christ. Warning everyone, teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God's given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works where? Within me. It's Christ working in me. It's Christ working in you. This same Jesus that died on the cross, that was buried and that rose from the... This same Jesus... His spirit lives in us as believers of Jesus Christ. He's the son of God. He has a power over sin and death. So do you think he can help you live today and tomorrow? Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, on my own, I'm weak. Okay, my family would be the first to testify to that. I try to do things myself and I can't always do it. Right? I I live what I call a duct tape life. Okay, basically a lot of things get broken in my life or I try to fix. And what, what always fixes it? Duct tape, right? Event is falling apart. Get duct tape. Carpet's coming up. Duct tape. You know, wheels coming off the bike. Duct tape. I don't know. Maybe that won't work. But I work off of a duct tape life. I, there's something out there that's going to fix it, right? And sometimes I think I can always try to fix it, but I can't do it myself. Exercise, eat right, but eventually you get lazy. Sugar, sweat. <laughs> Sugar always wins out, doesn't it? Today, it will win out at your meals. Believe me, I know it will. And I lack discipline in that. Sometimes, you know, I set up rules and I set up all these standards and make a schedule, set reminders. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And and what happens? Procrastination steps in. I'll do that later. Did you know on your calendar, on your phone, you can hit that delete button and that thing that you were supposed to do can be gone? I do it all the time. And you know what happens? It didn't get done. It just got deleted, which means I still have to do it, right? I lack that self-discipline at times. Matter of fact, Paul said this. Colossians 2.21. 
don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, such rules. Our mere human teachings about things that deteriorate us as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, right? Pious self-denial, severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. I can be as disciplined as I want, but you know, when temptation comes, it is hard to fight it. Ask any coach, ask any athlete. They will discipline their bodies and train their bodies to be ready for the next moment of competition. And if they decide to take one day off, they know it's going to hurt them. They feel it that next day when they go out to compete. It's like, I know I should have been training, but I, you know. And we read that as like spiritually too. So in my life spiritually, it's like I need that self-discipline in my life spiritually to, to do these things. But you know what? I lack my self-discipline. I need, a, I need like a superpower in me or something, right? Oh yeah, coming up this week, there's, there's some stuff, movies coming out about power, right? It's going to save the world, right? If I could have that kind of power, I could save the world. Okay, spoiler alert. Jesus saved the world, okay? So you can still go watch the movie and enjoy it, okay? But here's the thing. Jesus came to save the world. And you know what I need? I need his power, his resurrected power working in me. Because if, even if I had the mightiest strength of any superpower, it wouldn't matter. Because I've got resurrection power. Resurrection power that brings people back from the dead. You know, when I go to a funeral and I look at a casket and I know that that person isn't here, but because I know they have faith in Jesus Christ, you know what? They are alive. You know why they are alive? Because my Jesus is alive. When my father passed away four years ago and I left that gravesite, I've not been back. And I don't say that to boast or brag. I've, I've not gone back to my dad's plot. You know why? He's not there. He's not. You know where he is? He's in the presence of God. He's hanging out with Jesus. I believe that. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ because he conquered death and sin tells me that as a Christian, I have life eternal. And when I leave this place, I'll be in his presence. Some of us will go to the cemetery to visit those that we miss. That is okay. That's okay. I'm just telling you what I did, okay? That's just me. Some of us need to go there to mourn and to rejoice that they're in the presence of God. So when you go to visit a loved one who's passed on and is with the Lord, when you go and you mourn, make sure you rejoice too that they're with Jesus, that there could be laughter, that there could be peace. That's the resurrection power that he gives us. So as Christians, we can live differently. Paul reminds us, goes on to say in chapter 2 of Colossians, verses 9 to 15, he says this, For in Christ, let me hear you say in Christ. One more time, in Christ. For in Christ lives the fullness of God as a human body. So you are also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sin 
sinful nature. He gets in there and he just cuts away the sin and he goes on to say this, verse 12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him, let me hear you say with him, and with him you were what? Raised to what? A new life. Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God, I love this, then God made you what? Alive with Christ. Say that with me. Alive with Christ. For he forgave all of our sins. That same Jesus Christ, that same resurrection power is in us. We are alive in Christ. Because Jesus is alive, it changes everything. Why do we celebrate Easter? Because it's so different than every other religion of faith? Yes, but also because we are alive today in Christ. Christ is alive in us, which means we live differently. We can live with hope. We can live with peace. We see the power of resurrection change people all the time. It started with those 11 disciples. Those 11 disciples, they hid in fear. They hid in darkness when they thought Jesus was dead. And when they found out Jesus was alive, what did they do? Jesus said, hey, I want you to go now and make disciples. What did they do? They went and made disciples. And what happened? All of them were basically persecuted and put to death because of their faith. They lost their life because they believed in Jesus. They didn't care. You know why? Because their life was in Christ. They knew for them to die, they'd be with Christ. They live boldly. Because of the resurrection, Jesus is alive and he's changing people. He changed them. He changed people right here and right now. Some of you in this church, you are different because Christ has changed you. We've witnessed the resurrected power in this church. You're like, we have? Yes. Some of you are in here are sober because of Jesus Christ. Some of you are over an addiction because of Jesus Christ. Some of you have been healed physically in this church because of Jesus Christ. Some of you have given your life to him because of what his spirit was doing in you. I don't know who it was, okay? Somebody posted on Facebook a while ago, and I didn't see it, didn't know about it, but they said, I love getting up on Sunday morning and going to True North. Okay, a lot of people don't like getting up, first of all, in the morning, and then to go to church. But this person like, man, I can't wait to get up Sunday morning and go to church. And they posted that. You know what the result of that was? Because of the resurrection power living through them, another person saw that and like, hey, I'm going to go check this out. And that person comes. And that person gives their life to Christ. That's how the resurrection power of Jesus Christ works. It's working through this church. Christ is at work. I know sometimes it feels like God's not there, and I understand that. In your Bibles, you still in the book of Luke? So do me a favor. As we're there in the book of Luke, let's pick it up in verse 13. Because here's the thing with us Christians. Sometimes we don't realize that Jesus is right here with us living. Okay? So pick it up in verse 13, chapter 24 of Luke. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles out of Jerusalem. Same day. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that happened. Suddenly, Jesus himself comes along and joins them and begins walking beside them. They didn't know who he was because God kept them from recognizing him. So you can imagine this. There's a couple of these guys. They're, they're disciples of Jesus Christ. They're just walking along the road, talking about what happened that day, the, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection. They're just talking about this. And all of a sudden, Jesus is walking with them. They don't know it's Jesus. God kept them from recognizing Jesus. 
And Jesus says, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you so concerned about? And they stop short. Sadness on their face. It says that one of them, Cleopas, said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. And Jesus like, plays dumb. I love it. He goes like, oh, what things? What happened? The things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did wonderful miracles. He was a mighty teacher, highly regarded by both God and all the people. But our leading priests and the other religious leaders arrested him. They handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We thought he was a Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. That all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. Now, there's where you think these guys would be like getting fired up and excited, right? And then, and then we were hanging out this morning, and a couple of the women that hang out with us too, they went to the tomb. What does he say? Verse 23, they said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, Jesus' body was gone, just as the women had said. And about this time, you think they would say, hallelujah, man, he is alive, right? No, remember, their faces are sad. Yeah, he's not there. <laughs> yeah, he's not there because he's alive. Yeah, he's alive. Oh, come on, Christian. You believe in Jesus Christ? You believe he's risen from the dead? We just saying it. I believe, right? Then why are you so sad? Christian, why are you so upset? Why are you so depressed? Why are you so fearful? Why are you so full of worry? Jesus said, you are such foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his time of glory? Then Jesus quoted passages from the writings of Moses and all the other prophets explaining what the scriptures said about him. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, the end of their journey. And Jesus would have gone on, but they begged him to stay the night with them since it was getting late. So he went home with them. They sat down to eat. He took a small loaf of bread and asked God's blessing on it. He broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open. They recognized at that moment who he was and he disappeared. I love it. It's like these Christians are just walking along. These disciples, these followers of Jesus Christ are walking along and saying, Yeah, he's, he's risen from the dead. Let's leave Jerusalem. Shouldn't you be happy? Shouldn't you be living differently? Shouldn't you be excited about this? Shouldn't you be telling others? No, we're just going to just put our heads down and just walk on to another town. And Jesus walks with them. And then finally, as he blesses the food with them, they're like, it's him. It's him. He is alive. I get it. Sometimes it feels like God isn't there. But he is. He is. The resurrection is more than a historical fact. It is more than a bunch of pictures I just showed you. It was more than a, an order of how things went down. It's more than that. The resurrection, for us as Christians, is the greatest thing that ever happened. The greatest thing that ever happened. The Easter story is the greatest victory that ever took place. Larger than any sports celebration Larger than, than any concert that you've been to where they stand and they applaud. They want more. That's what this is. Because he is alive. He is alive. Here's the thing. 
today as believers in Jesus Christ, you get to live that out. We get to live that out. We can walk around like those disciples uh, that had their faces all sad, Jesus' life. Or we can live with the joy of Christ working in us and through us. Maybe we just need to pray that. Maybe some of us in this room just need to say, Jesus, I want the joy of the disciples who saw you and touched you when they were in that upper room. Jesus, help me believe. Give me that resurrection life. Ask God to reveal himself to you. Ask him to show you that same power over an addiction you have. Ask him to give you hope. Ask him to give you that peace. And then live different with it. It's the last thing I want to say to you on this Easter morning. Is let that resurrection power in you shine. Would you? (laughs) Don't be like those disciples all sad face. Be believers in Christ who live differently and people can see it on you. There's something different about it. My brother, I don't know why he called me this, but when I was a little younger, you know, again, four brothers, one sister, we all picked on each other, but being the youngest, um, I guess I got picked on the most. I don't know. That happens, right? And people say, well, it's because you're the baby of the family. Now you're just saying that. Well, maybe it was. I don't know. But my one brother called me a fathead. I have no idea why he called me a fathead. I do know this. When I put a ball cap on, I usually got to go super extra large. Maybe that's the thing. I don't know. I don't feel like I do. Now you're all like looking at my head trying to figure out the circumference. I don't know. Anyway, but he called me a fathead. And it's like, why you call me a fathead? Stop it, you know. And anyway, I've gotten over it, sort of. Anyway, um, sometimes I feel like a Christian fathead. Okay, what I mean by that is this. As a Christian, I've grown up in the church. I read the Bible and talk Christianese and, and have Bible studies. And my head is, starts to fill up with all this stuff about living the Christian life, right? We all come in, we soak it up, we soak it up. We all hold all these truths and these things that we know, right? But we belong to what we call the Fathead Little Feet Club, okay? Which basically means I got my head full of Jesus, okay? But my feet are too small to take me anywhere to tell people about them, okay? We need to change that up. I want to encourage you to not be a, a fathead for Jesus, okay? Oh, that's weird, okay? I want to encourage you to take what you know to what is true, what you have up here and what you have in here. I want to encourage you, church, take it out there. You've got Christ living in you. What are you afraid of? you got Christ living in you. What are you worried about? you got Christ living in you. Where's that peace? That's what you're struggling with, isn't it? Are you praying about it? Are you getting with other Christians and praying about it? Why don't you walk with Jesus? And when he starts blessing your food, you'll realize he's right there with you, and that will change you. Think about it. You can share Jesus all the time with people. You can. Parents, make an egg sometime. Crack those eggs open. Empty. Hey, guys, look, empty eggshells. Just like the tomb. Okay? You can bring it up in conversation anywhere. Guys, pull out your wallet when you go to pay for something. Hey, look, my wallet's empty, just like the tomb, okay? <laughs> Works all the time, right? Yeah. Or maybe he wants, when your wife is like, hey, you want to pay for that? I can. I'm living like Jesus today, empty tomb, okay? <laughs> you can always bring up the conversation of Jesus in there. Just do it. You've got Christ living in you. He is alive, Amen. Worship team, would you come forward, please? Use the things that God places around you. Share the story. Tell the truth. 
let people know how much God loves them. Listen, he loves them enough that he did what? He rescued us by going onto that cross, didn't he? He saved us. And he didn't stay dead, did he? The greatest victory ever to give us hope, to give us new life, to live a resurrected life so that we can go let others know about the good news. Would you stand, please, and we'll pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. I thank you, Lord, that we can come today and, yeah, we can learn about the facts. We can read in Scripture about all that took place, about the resurrection. And we can learn about what what you did in meeting disciples. But, but God, there's so much more. It isn't just about those facts. It's about how those truths change our lives because your spirit is alive. Your spirit is in us. For those of us who have confessed with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, you have entered into our lives. And you've given us forgiveness, but you've given us now strength to live for today and tomorrow. Oh, and tomorrow's never easy. Today's pretty tough. We have moments where we are depressed and full of sorrow, and those moments will happen. But when they happen, Lord, let us remember that you're walking with us, just like those disciples on the road to Emmaus. Let us feel your presence. Let us know that your resurrected power lives within us, and that we can find that peace and that hope and that joy. God, help us to be more vocal about it. God, if there's somebody in this room today that they've never, they've never believed that. This is the first. Maybe they've never prayed and they've never asked you to, to forgive their sins. Maybe they've never placed their faith in you. Today's an awesome day to do it. It's real simple. If we truly believe this to be real and we want to believe, then we just simply need to come to you, confess our sins to you. God, I am sorry for the things I've done. We can pray those out to you and tell you what we're sorry for. That you will forgive us. When we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are saved. We're saved. We now have that resurrection power in us. So God, let us live with that power. Let us live with that joy. Let us live with that hope. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.